Welcome to the Breezy Babies Podcast, where we talk about all things booze, babies, and breastfeeding. This is episode 111, Breastfeeding with Implants. I'm Bree, the IBCLC, and I made Breezy Babies with you in mind to help ease your transition into parenthood. Becoming a parent changes your life in every way imaginable. Bumps in the road are going to come up as you move into your new role, but my goal is to help smooth out those bumps and help you become the most confident parent you can be. With good education and support, I know you can meet your breastfeeding and parenting goals. Let's do this together. Hey there, friend. I'm kind of chuckling because in that intro I just recorded, it kind of sounded like I said this podcast was about booze, babies, and breastfeeding. (laughs) It's about boobs, babies, and breastfeeding, (laughs) just in case. This is your first time here and you're feeling a little confused. Um, Welcome to the Breezy Babies podcast. This is so fun to have you back today. I am loving um, this topic for today already. This was actually a suggestion from Dula Sarah and she listens to this podcast. So hey, Dula Sarah. Um, you're awesome for this suggestion of talking about breastfeeding with implants. This isn't something that always, um, it's not necessarily a really common topic. So I'm so excited to tell you a little bit more about it today. But first I want to read you a Google review from Rochelle Smith. She said, First meeting with Brianne, and it was so helpful. She really helped to reassure me with what I've been doing up to this point. I felt like she listened to my questions and helped me feel confident in being able to accomplish my goals with breastfeeding and pumping in the future. Highly recommend working with her. So nice, Rochelle. Thank you so much for leaving um, a review, taking the time to do that. Of course, anytime I read a review, Um, If you hear me read your review on this podcast, just send me an email to um, email me at brie at breezybabies.com and I will send you a freebie, one of my workshops, free baby gas, um, baby biters, my ebook, my baby massage online course even, that's always a good one, Um, lots of freebies because I so appreciate you taking the time to leave a review that always helps out a small business so much. Okay. Are you ready for quick story time? (laughs) I want to tell you really quick about the longest, most expensive consultation I have ever been on. Now, let me start this by explaining that I do consultations both in person and through telehealth. Um, I do accept some insurances. You probably already know this if you listen to this podcast episode. There are a few insurances that I am able to accept through Lactation Network. If you're curious if your insurance is one of those that is covered 100%, just click the show notes link or go to breezybabies.com and click the link to check to see if you have free consults under telehealth or in-person consults. Really free, really easy to do. So I did meet with one client and um, I had done a combination of both in-person and telehealth consultations So we had, um, got to know each other pretty well and we were at her fourth 
we had reached the point, <laughs> let's put it that way, we had reached the point of her fourth consultation and we decided that an in-person consult would be super helpful. So, you know, we had it, the date planned, set aside, jumped in the car, headed to her house, was doing great, gonna be exactly on time, <laughs> which is always great, you know, when you have four kids, even just getting out of the house without them sometimes is a little bit of a struggle. Uh, but I was just about to her house coming up and over this hill and my tire pressure light went on, went on. And I was a little concerned because this is my car where the tire pressure light never goes on. And so I luckily was almost to her house. I parked and jumped out of my car and I could immediately hear this sound. <laughs> like, oh no, <laughs> that's not a good sound. And I'm looking at all my tires, trying to figure out where this loud noise is coming from, kind of find it. And then suddenly I spot it, a giant nail in my tire, giant. And the air is escaping so fast, I just can hear it. So luckily this was a client that I had already, you know, like I said, met with multiple times. We had a relationship, we knew each other. And so I knocked on her door and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, but my tire is about to go flat. I've got to get to a tire store right away or I'm going to have to be towed. <laughs> and she was so nice. She's like, oh, there's just one down the road. I hop back in my car and rush over to the tire store as fast as I can. Um, I park, you know, go in and tell the guy he comes out to look at my car and my tires already completely flat. Like I had barely made it into the parking lot um, before it had gone completely flat. So my client was so nice. She said, oh, I'll just come and pick you up and we'll still do the consultation, which I'm so glad that we did because come to find out, I was there for four and a half hours <laughs> getting four new brand tires, brand new tires. Cause you know how it goes. Like, you're like, Oh, maybe we can get a patch. And then it's like, Oh no, these tires are too low. You're going to have to get new ones anyway. So we might as well do all of them at once. And uh, so you know how it is. Basically what I'm trying to tell you is this one quick consult turned into a four and a half hour consult, um, that cost $800. <laughs> So that has never happened in all my years. I have worked as an IBCLC for in-home visits for six years. Never had anything like this happen before. Um, but I'm so glad that it happened with a client that I already knew that we had a relationship with. Um, because, you know, for a brand new self-paid client, it would have been a little rough if I would have knocked on their door and said, hey, sorry, actually, by the way, I've got to take off right away. <laughs> so that is my story of the longest, most expensive consultation I've ever had, but I do have new tires for winter when it comes. And like I said, I was still able to see my awesome clients for their consultation. So kind of fun. The, you know, all the stories of traveling around for in-person consults is, is, been um very interesting to say the least i've been all around utah to places i've never been before even though i've lived here basically my entire life so love my job it's the best all right let's talk about 
breast implants. That's what you came for. I think you've had enough of my story. So let's talk about the real meat and potatoes here. So before we jump into my top three tips, let's just lay some ground rules here. Um, let's just talk about how many women even have breast implants. Like how many people does this really even apply to? Well, honestly, as I was preparing for this podcast episode, that was really tricky to find out exactly how many women have breast implants. I found one study from my favorite research site and I was so excited until I realized that the data was from late 1989. <laughs> what? Now I was born in 1988. So I was one year old after that study was published. Can we say outdated? I did also find an estimate for 1996, which said, um, estimates of the number of women with breast implants have varied from less than 1 million to over 3 million. Okay. That gives us a little bit more information. Um, I also found another estimate from 2014, which is better, a little bit newer, but still not so great. And it said 4% of American women alive today have had breast implants. And then another site said one to 3% of women. Okay. So in the end, I don't really know how many people have had implants, but I do know that many do. And someone listening to this podcast episode certainly will or know someone who does have implants and could use help with lactation. Um, I do find that many people wait to get breast implants until they are done having kids, but not everyone does. Little side note right here. Fun fact for you. Did you know that the hormones from being pregnant is actually what makes boobs saggy and not breastfeeding. Okay. I just had to add that in there. And of course, before I get, jump into these top three tips, just know that there are no absolutes. Okay. You may experience problems with breastfeeding with implants, but I found that the majority of my clients do quite fine. And of course, it's always easier to meet your goals when you are working one-on-one -on -one with an IBCLC. And of course, this podcast is never medical advice. I am not your IBCLC unless you have actually hired me and signed a consent form saying that I can give you medical advice. <laughs> so, you know, I can't speak specifically to your situation. But I know these top three tips will at least help guide you um, in the right direction. Okay, so let's get to it. Here we go. Tip number one, I want you to consider what type of implants were used. Okay, so um, research is limited on this. However, there have been recent reports of some problems that can happen with silicone breast implants. Now this is per the CDC um, and we don't honestly have a lot of research on this information, but it is helpful to know, especially as you're working with your IBCLC, it will be really helpful for her to know the type of implant that was used. So that's something that you are going to want to keep in mind. Tip number, tip number two is consider what nerves were impacted during the surgery. 
if you have had a breast surgery, any type of breast surgery, you are going to want to review this with your IBCLC. We are going to want to know the type of surgery. Was it an augmentation, a reduction, a lift? Where are the incisions? Are they around the nipple or in the fold under the breast? And also just as important is why did you have the surgery in the first place? This matters. Um, you know, some families that I work with, they have IGT, which stands for insufficient glandular tissue. If that was the reason for breast surgery, then that family may have trouble with making a full milk supply before and after the surgery. Moms with IGT may have to supplement with donor milk or formula and may never have a full milk supply. This is something that can be hard to assess with implants, but a good IBCLC will always dive into health history. So don't be embarrassed to share that information with us. Okay. We're not trying to be nosy or annoying to know about your health history and what surgeries you've had. It just is important. And all of those things that I just mentioned can directly affect lactation and can even change what your lactation goals realistically can be. Okay, moving on. It matters if the implants were placed under the muscle or above the muscle. We do know that you're more likely to have better outcomes with breastfeeding if the implant was below the muscle. Okay. Another thing that matters is how long ago was the surgery? The longer amount of time that has passed, the more likely that nerves have formed new pathways and feeling has returned. The more recent the surgery, the more likely that you may have some issues. Okay. And we do want you to be able to have feeling in your nipple. That is an important part of breastfeeding, not only for letdown, for triggering that, that letdown of milk, that rush of milk that comes out when your baby comes to the breast. But also if you don't have feeling in your nipple, you can't really tell when there is damage being done <laughs> with something like a shallow latch, which is not exactly ideal. So again, when the surgery is matters. And even with something like a breast reduction, ducts can grow back. So yes, the longer span of time since the surgery was done, the better. Okay, another thing that's important is how big are the implants? Because large implants can put pressure on the milk ducts. Again, this is not an absolute, but they can put pressure on the milk ducts and send that signal to your brain that your breasts are full. Hello, brain. Yep, we're full. We cannot take any more milk. And then your body's like, okay, we are going to slow down milk production. Now you can see how that would be problematic because it actually is just a big implant that is sending that message instead of a truly full breast, full of breast milk. Okay. So that's a lot of things to consider. <laughs> yes, there are many things to consider with this. There are lots of questions. There are lots of things to look at. So this is not a one size fits all. There's no, oh, you have implants, so you're going to have trouble with breastfeeding. No, it's very individualized. And that's true with everything. I have clients who have been told right after delivery, where they've even had a chance to latch on their baby, oh, you have flat nipples, so you're not going to be able to successfully latch your baby. Okay? No, not a thing. 
Um, there is no absolutes. There's no one size fits all, especially with things like this. One last thing um, I do want to mention here, I, I kind of already mentioned this before, but again, I just want to reiterate that if you do have decreased feeling or sensation in your nipples after breast surgery, that does affect breastfeeding. It affects your letdown. It affects your supply. Um, if you cannot feel that your baby has a shallow latch that's causing damage to your nipple, then you can see how that would be a major problem. Believe it or not, there are some surgeries where they not only cut around the nipple, but maybe they even take the nipple off altogether and then put it back on. <laughs> I know that may be more than what you were bargaining for with this podcast episode, but it really needs to be said. And of course, you, you may already know that I am also a registered nurse. So these types of conversations, I have no problem having. <laughs> All right, let's move on to tip number three. Tip number three is watch your baby. You are going to watch really closely to make sure that your baby is gaining weight and transferring milk and having good wet and poopy diapers and doing all the things that your baby needs to do. Um, and then that's going to give you the confidence that your baby is doing the good work at the breast and transferring um, the milk that she needs to grow. So if you have had breast surgery of any type, again, I highly recommend working with an IBCLC such as me. Um, if we are there in person, we can do a whey feed way and see exactly how much your baby is taking in in one feed just to get a snapshot of how much your baby is transferring. And that can help give us the confidence that yes, things are going well. You're transferring the milk that your baby needs. Maybe you don't have an IBC, an IBCLC in your area to do a whey feed way. That's okay. You can also work with us through telehealth and we can listen for swallows and check for all those things um, that your baby needs to be doing to tell us that she is gaining weight well and transferring the milk at the breast. Last thing, speaking from personal experience, I am telling you, you can absolutely have a successful experience with breastfeeding with implants. So there you go. There's at least one successful experience that you can believe in. Um, and again, I want to repeat those top three tips for you for breastfeeding with implants. Number one, you do want to consider the type of implants that were used. Number two, you want to consider what nerves were impacted during the surgery. And number three um, is watch your baby. Okay, watch your baby as you're going through this process. Again, you're not in this alone. You have healthcare providers and lactation consultants that you can work with um, and help you still meet your lactation goals. So I hope you feel a little bit more confident. Make sure you share this podcast episode with anyone you know who may be struggling with their lactation goals, um, especially if they have a history of a breast surgery. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. Of course, I'm going to leave you with you are strong, you are smart, you're beautiful, you're a good friend to all. Catch you next time, friend.